0: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Mobile Bev Pros Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing mobile bar professionals with the information they need to succeed. I'm your host and fellow mobile bar owner, Sarah Murphy. Each episode, I'll be bringing you interviews, knowledge, anecdotes, or opinions with the goal of assisting you in building a profitable, sustainable, and scalable mobile bar business that will support the lifestyle you dream of. I'm excited for today's episode. So let's get started. Today we're talking to Sari Ibrahim from Financial Asset Protection. They are a financial services company that help clients start and grow their businesses as well as just solve money problems. And I am so excited to talk to you today, talking specifically about financing businesses, how to get the capital to even get things started. I'm excited.
1: Me too, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on here. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. So when I first talked to you, maybe about six weeks ago, you had never even heard about mobile bars. So that is not an unusual response. Oftentimes, I'm having to explain to people what I do, what I teach. And you did a little bit of research. So you were prepared for today. What what are some of your first thoughts about this, this little niche that we have going?
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a niche I never heard of. To be transparent, I think it's a very creative thing to do. It sounds... So from the research I've done, it looks like it's not a. It doesn't take. Um. It's not like you're starting an actual bar, right? Where you need probably hundreds of thousands of dollars to start. It's a much minimal investment, but it's more people can do it. And I think that's a great idea. I think it's. I um, mean, you know, I guess you know, not to like make this uh, to flip the question, but how did you come up with this idea?
0: <laughs> I, it's not an original idea. Mobile bartending has been around for a really long time. So if you've ever been to a wedding or any sort of event where there wasn't a restaurant or facilities on site, the caterers usually brought in what needed to be served from their catering kitchen somewhere. And then there was this popularization of things like barn weddings and festivals, and there's nothing on site, right? And so caterers historically would be the ones to kind of bring those beverages and that experience on site. However, caterers are really experts at food. They can do some beverages. I'm married to a chef and like, he will tell you he can cook, but he'd prefer someone else make him a drink. Mm -hmm. And what was happening is that at events, oftentimes people who had an expertise in bar, maybe they were bartenders, they realized that drinks just didn't match the level of the food. And so Born was this little niche of, mobile bartenders or liquid caterers or beverage caterers who would complement, basically elevate the experience of the food so that the drinks kind of match with craft cocktails, fresh ingredients, fresh garnishes, a little bit more experiential. And then time goes on and people realize, well, I can renovate things like campers and horse trailers and Airstreams and Piaggio Apes and all sorts of these other little rigs to further enhance the beverage experience. And uh, we have like a little niche industry of thousands of little mobile bar companies around the world that are kind of doing this. I think some of the original OG mobile bars you'd find in the UK or Australia, Mm -hmm. but it kind of crossed the pond and has taken off like wildfire. And we have thousands of members from around the country and and Canada and Mexico as well that... um, this is what they do. They just lug around large amounts of liquid and ice and they serve beverages and fields and all sorts
1: of random places. <laughs> it's it's awesome. And I had a feeling, I had a feeling, yeah, this was really popular in other countries, like UK and Australia. I don't know why. what it is. Um, I think it would be more of like, it would need to be kind of a nicer climate area where you can be outdoors. You can also do it indoors. Like I'm in Chicago, right? You could probably you know still have this business operate indoors. Like, to weddings and other events indoors, like a lot of the places are in Chicago.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Chicago has a very short outdoor season.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, you guys have, because of that, you have a very established indoor event scene. And yes. Mobile bars that operate and thrive in the Chicago area are usually more in the urban area, they have satellite bars, mm-hmm. so they may have like rigs like campers and horse trailers and stuff, but they'll have more bars on wheels that can be rolled inside as well. And that's, I think, another distinguishing factor. Mobile bar companies, mobile bartenders, they don't need a rig to be considered a mobile bar. They just have to be willing to plug all of the stuff necessary to have a bar to mm-hmm. a location that doesn't already have them.
1: Got it. Okay. So I guess there, like the the question comes now is how do we finance this? Like how do we start this business? You know, let's say for example, I'm working at a company or working somewhere. I really want to do this idea. I want to start my own mobile bar. Where do I come up with the money? And I think that you know we work with a lot of clients in all fifty states. We help them solve these financial problems and the things that they want to accomplish. And. People are surprised where you can find liquidity from. It's not just your typical bank checking account. There are more places like your 401k or IRA or mutual fund that you have or cash by life insurance. There's so many different places you can find that. And that's something we kind of like help our clients like find you know different ways of acquiring that capital or getting financing.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. So you you did you said the thing that I think a lot of financial experts would probably maybe cringe at a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm tap into the 401k, like we are generally raised to believe like that money is untouchable. Take it out. It's a huge mistake and you'll always regret it. Talk to me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. So a lot of, you're right. So a lot of financial experts are more of financial product salespeople. Their job is to sell 401ks, IRAs, mutual funds. That's how they get paid either, whether it's a fee only structure or a commission structure. That's what they do for a living. They they sell these financial products. So when you go to them and you say you want to take you know thirty five thousand dollars out to start your mobile bar business, they'll say you know why do that when you can have it working in the stock market. That's kind of the context most of this most of the time. However, we kind of take a different approach from this. Like I don't like the idea of convincing people to to follow a certain product. I we 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 built our business more from like an agile or nimble approach of. We can do anything that you want to do, whether it's mobile bar business, whether it's starting a restaurant, whether it's whatever it is you want to do, we can help you do that. Um, And one of those places, a lot of people have 401ks, they have money. And something too that's interesting, Sarah, is that there are a lot of tax laws that help people leverage their 401ks. Like for example, if somebody is 40 years old, they have a 401k, they can't typically touch that money because they're under the age of 59 and a half. They could roll it into an IRA. Outside of their company when they leave their company, but still their money is kind of tied up. However, there are certain things you could do. Like there's, I actually did a podcast on this on my show, Thinking Like a Bank, episode 49. We talked about Rob's, for, how you can start a business using your 401k without that 10% tax penalty. But yeah, I think, and this is kind of advice for people out there that, are, that want to work with financial experts, make sure the person can help you actually solve your financial objectives, the financial issues you have, and not just sell you a product and convince you on why a product is beneficial. But yeah, definitely you need an unbiased approach kind of, the, and and to solve what it is that you want to solve. For sure. I think it's really important.
0: Oh my gosh. I love that you started with that. I have always kind of secretly carried around the fact that I cashed out my 401k to start yeah. my first business and it was a huge risk, no doubt. And I've constantly share that with people and they're like, oh my gosh, that is like, but here's the thing. I bet on myself more than yes. I bet. Stock market and it has paid itself in dividends over and over and over again. And so, um, yeah, it's not something that you're going to um, hear a lot of people suggest, but I'm living proof that it can work. And it can be worth every every penny and the risk of, of doing so.
1: Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, I think that you know, same thing. Being an entrepreneur, the best business I've ever invested in is my business, and continuing to do so. When you're investing in the stock market, that's also good too. In certain ways, it's good, but you're investing in other companies. You know, I think we should put our businesses first, invest in ourselves first, and you tend to get the highest ROIs, rates of return, when you invest in yourself and in your business and, and and especially in your personal development, which is how you believe in yourself, how you trust yourself, and kind of furthering yourself in entrepreneurship. Yes, Amen.
0: So, aside from your 401k, let's pretend that we don't have a 401k because. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I've never looked at the, per, the ratio or the percentage, but I'm guessing not more than 50% of people actually carry around mm-hmm. a 401k. So what options are available for those who don't have home equity that they could tap into? They don't have a 401k. They don't have any sort of life insurance policy they might be able to cash out or anything like that. What are some options for people who are trying to get started, but they, they aren't sitting on a mountain of cash? And yeah, what are some options?
1: Yeah, so a couple of things. So, depending on how, and this is kind of something like when I started my business, I didn't have access to like the things you mentioned. I don't have a home equity, I didn't have a 401k. Now, before I say it, don't go on and do this. Um, it, it is risky, but at the same time, it's better than not taking the risk at all. And that is, I used a couple of credit cards that had like 0% interest for the first like 18 months. So, I leveraged them with those. I made sure I was able to pay them back before the interest came due. Again, obviously, credit cards are risky, they're a risky product. But if you had kind of two options, one option is option A, take some risk to get the business you want or take option B and take no risk at all, stay where you're at. I think option A is going to be option B. So that's kind of my mentality of how I'm thinking about it. Another thing too is there are ways that, so in the real estate world, there's something called private money lending where you could, for example, if you can not get financing from a bank to buy your real estate property to either flip or rent out, you could go to some individual, some private person who has a 401k or IRA or mutual fund or other assets and equity and they could leverage those to loan to you to buy real estate. so in other words you're kind of bypassing banks by going to private money lenders I'm pretty I haven't heard yet for mobile for mobile bar business that you could do this but I would I would think that you could you could probably find some private lenders that will want to f- help you fund your business again do your research. If you whatever you want to look for, I think you could find. If you if you put in the time looking for it, you'll probably find it. But those are some some couple of things that came to my mind. And then yeah, whatever cash you, and then the other thing too is I guess I would need to know more about the mobile bar business, but I wonder if there's a way that you can like lease some of the equipment or some of the things and then pay like monthly payments instead of paying for them cash up front. I don't know. Maybe that's more of your expertise.
0: Yeah. So real quick, just going back to credit, yeah. I, I think this is a really great opportunity. I think this is a really great option for those that qualify for cards with 0% APR. As long as you said, make sure you're paying it off, right? Because Mm -hmm. they don't ask a lot of questions. And that's more approachable than going to a bank, asking for a loan. They're going to require a full business plan. And oftentimes, banks don't understand the mobile bar business. Mm -hmm. They're like, I'm sorry, you're doing what? Like anything that has to do with alcohol, they're (laughs) immediately... I don't, I don't know. This doesn't sound legal. Are you like... And so you have to do more convincing. You have to do more educating to get funding from traditional sources. And so a credit card, if you qualify, it cuts out all of that, that front-end work and convincing, and it just gives you instant access to capital. Now, again, as you mentioned, you take advantage of the, the free APR because the interest rates on credit cards are going to be way higher than yep. anything you get from a bank. So... Mm-hmm. I think the SBA right now is somewhere between three and four percent. Mm-hmm. Credit cards are probably like 19, 20 once yep. that wears off. And, and we want to make sure that we're paying attention to what we're spending to borrow money. Yes. So, yep. a lot of times people are like, I can get forty thousand dollars. From this lender, if I qualify, but then you're paying 10% of that or you're paying a very high amount of that to borrow that money. Now, if that's the only option you have, like weigh the options, obviously. However, we want to get the money as cheap as possible. And so 0% for 18 months is great. I'm not sure what credit cards, if any, are running those types of deals any longer, but I know Mm. it's kind of intermittent as to when they offer them. And then as to leasing, okay, Mm -hmm. I think it's a really great conversation or topic to have because one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of mobile bar owners come into the scene with is that they feel like they have to invest in everything all at once. And so they might be buying the $30,000 rig, they are... I'm raising my hand as being guilty for the person who did this. I bought my camper bar. I invested $10,000 worth of coffee equipment for my espresso machine, my grinders, my scales for weighing all my espresso. A lot of it was largely unnecessary straight out of the gate. Mm -hmm. And so if, If you can plan a more scaled and phased in approach for starting your mobile bar, what you can do is you can grow organically and you can let the revenue that you're making as you make it fund your growth and fund the equipment and fund the business itself. What we do as mobile bartenders probably... You can get started in a a standard mobile bar business for a couple thousand dollars, maybe even Mm -hmm. less. I'm sure people are out there, well, I did it with $200 and a pack of gum in my back pocket. (laughs) That's probably possible, right? But if we're going to invest in decent equipment, a uniform, a website, that sort of thing, we really need a couple thousand dollars to get started. But we don't need $30,000. Yes. So if you start small, my very first bar was a $150 bar That was a desk I found at the Restore. I just turned it around. I slapped a coat of paint on it. I did some framing on the front, which was actually the back of the desk. And then I used the drawers in the desk to like hold all my stuff for the actual bar experience. And that was $200 total bar. And the first event that we did was like a $1,500 event. And so I got to take the profit there and funnel it back into the business. And so one of the best ways in our specific niche to fund the starting of a mobile bar is to just get started. Mm -hmm. Let yourself be your own lender organically. And the interest rate is free there. So,
1: (laughs) you know, Sarah, you said so many things, like, I don't know where to start. So a couple of things that I love. So like the distinction between good debt and bad debt. So like, good debt is leveraging cheap capital, low interest money, sometimes 0% interest money. And then bad debt is obviously very expensive capital. Like, In other words, ask yourself, if you leverage this capital, can you make more money with this money? And what is the degree of risk that you see as an entrepreneur with that? So that would be the distinction between good debt and bad debt. So I love that you mentioned that. Another thing too is, The word, you know, as something as a financial planner, we're constantly using these words um, funnel money back into your business. So kind of like to elaborate more on that. You mentioned you spent 200, you earned 1500. There was probably some other expenses in there, but you then turn around and you put that money back into your business. Now that's really important because you get tax deductions for all those business expenses going back into your business. Plus you grow organically. You're not taking unnecessary risks. You're not borrowing like $50,000 and then seeing if it's going to work or not. It, the, the chances of you taking your sales and then putting it back into your business is going to have a much greater success rate because you're, you're only doing things that you have tested, individually tested out and proven that you can put back into. And then in my last point that I went for this part is be your own banker or be your own lender. This is exactly, this is one of our core services that we help our clients with. We help them become their own sources of financing using a method that's been around for like 40 years now. It was introduced in a book called Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash. I highly recommend that book for every entrepreneur out there. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, I'll send you, I'll show you how you can get the book for free. I'll send you, I'll give you the link for that, but you have to stick around to the end of the episode.
0: Love it. (laughs) That's awesome. One of the things that I've found if you do, as I suggested earlier, and kind of funnel your early revenues back into your business, Mm -hmm. as well as being tax advantaged. What, especially if you're processing payments through some sort of Stripe or PayPal mm-hmm. or something like that, if you can demonstrate consistent revenue for long enough, they will actually offer you pretty inexpensive loans that may and they make the repayment of those loans super easy because they just take 20% of all future revenue that you've processed through them. It might vary, but I think I'm like most recently I saw Stripe, they're like, We'll give you X dollars. And I think it was less than 10% interest. It was a flat rate. Mm -hmm. If you borrowed X dollars, you will pay X dollars. And we'll just take those X dollars out of your revenue, uh, 20% of each payment that's been processed. And that makes it so much easier for a business owner like myself, who I know it's going to get paid. I know it's going to come out as much. I'm only going to pay it as I receive money. Mm -hmm. So I'm not paying every month or worried that my cash flow is going to be impacted. And that would be another benefit of doing what you can to make revenue as you get started and then utilizing capital to grow and to grow faster than the capital um, that you might have going, uh, coming in.
1: Yeah. And it's a good point. I think it's all referred to sometimes as merchant cash advance, where like the merchant company gives you a loan and leverages your future sales as collateral. And that's actually a good way of financing because in a lot of situations, check the terms and conditions on the loans. But in a lot of situations, there is no personal guarantee. There is no, it's not on your personal credit score. It's not affecting your debt to income ratio if you want to buy a house. It's just strictly your business, your business, your company And the accounts tied to that. That's it. That's what the credit card company is looking for. They're not looking for other ways of you paying that back. They're just looking for simply taking out of the merchant account in the future. So I think that I'm glad you mentioned that. And you could scale with that, right? If you're earning some money and then you're able to leverage, this is like thinking like a bank. You're able to take $1, buy something that's worth $5, grow that, borrow against that, and keep growing your business organically and predictably.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because growth is hungry. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that we have to, uh, as small business owners realize that sometimes we're like, as soon as I get my business up and and off the ground, then I can start keeping more of this money. Sure. Absolutely. But many times, if you ever want it to get bigger than it currently is, you need to feed the, you need to feed it the money. Right. And so if you can use someone else's money to feed that, then even better. Right. And you can probably move a
1: lot faster. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Feed your business for sure. And another thing too, Sarah, is that people like might be listening, like a couple thousand dollars to start a business. Like I think most Americans spend a couple thousand dollars on a minimal level per month, just on basic necessities. So we're talking mm-hmm. only like one month of your average bills to start a whole business. So it's not that compared to how much people make and how much people have. It's not that dramatic of a, a jump to start your own business using the strategy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're charging what you're worth. The biggest yeah. thing that people do is they undervalue their own efforts. Yes when they first start. So they're out there doing maybe $25, $35 an hour per per bartender and there's no meat left in it. And so if you price yourself appropriately with recognizing you don't, you're not just trying to pay yourself, you're trying to put money back in the business to grow. So Mm -hmm. you've got to make sure your profit margins are aligned if you're going to utilize that strategy.
1: Absolutely, I agree.
0: So alternative ways of funding a business, grants, those are nice options. They're slow to pay. I have multiple times had people ask me, well, what grants do you know of that are available out there for either women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses? There are lots of them out there, probably more than I could even find. And a great source for people would be to reach out to their local chamber of commerce or their minority uh, chamber of commerce if they have one of those. But they're very arduous to get. Like literally people have full-time jobs just writing grant applications. Yes, Mm -hmm and they're very competitive because everybody wants that free money. So, not that I'm saying like don't try for them, but have a plan B. If you're really mm-hmm. interested in getting started sooner rather than later, I would I would be hesitant to say grants are the way the way to go. Do you have a similar experience there?
1: Yeah, for sure. I was going as you were saying grants, I was going to say there are third-party companies that can write the grants for you. And to kind of give a little bit more like feedback on that, I think that What what it could be is grants from the government, from the state or federal government or your local city or county. And like, why do they do that? Right. So in the eyes of the government, entrepreneurship is really good. It generates jobs, it increases production, it raises the GDP, the, the size of our economy. So the government wants entrepreneurs, they want to feed entrepreneurs and grow them. So that's why kind of grants, one of the foundations of grants, why they exist is to keep the economy going, to keep jobs going. We're buying and selling products that keeps the economy flowing, merchant accounts. That's the key, I guess, to running a government is money has to keep flowing. So that's why the government would want to give out grants for people. Just in case you're wondering, like, why would the government give me money to start a business? Because they're going to get that back in the future in different ways, in multiple ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think the grant application process should be utilized in parallel with another funding option, if possible.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that so like companies have CFOs, right? Like chief financial officers. And like so some of their roles are depending on the company is to manage these different financial sources. So like they might have the CFO dealing with the bank, trying to get constantly trying to get funding, plus dealing with investors to raise capital, plus dealing with a grant company that writes grants, plus their customer are trying to leverage different, different sources of, of funding. So that's how kind of, I kind of think you want to be as a small business owner. You want to be like the CFO of your company where you you have like multiple avenues of financing. So you have and, and that's one of the services we do. We can help you find different avenues of financing, not just rely on one source. It's the same thing with like marketing. Like you don't just use only like some people specialize in one area, but it's not like I'm only on Facebook. It's like I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. I have a website, I write blogs, I'm on podcasts. Like you're everywhere. Like you have multiple avenues. And I think financing is the kind of the same way you have like multiple avenues.
0: Yeah. What about asking friends and family?
1: Yeah. So I like that and there's pros and cons to that. So some of the pros of doing that, it's easier to get to, right? They're typically like banks that have like a over 90% chance of like denying you a loan, whereas your friends and family might want to see you succeed. So they will be willing to help you. Plus you can kind of diversify the risk. So it's not like, let's just say you needed a total of $10,000. Not necessarily that you need one person to give you 10,000. You could probably split that up amongst three or four people. And then plus you can, depending on how you structure your business, let's say you're planning on going like much bigger, you can incentivize them for giving you that money. Like interest or a percentage of your business or future sales, or some sort of strategic thing, or like let's say like I don't know where where the wholesalers come in, but let's say somebody who's a wholesaler, and then you say, or right, if you loan me my business, then I promise to buy from you for the next couple of years so you can you can get really i think this is where personal development comes in right for entrepreneurs is because the more you learn, the more you earn. the more you learn about different ways of leveraging yourself leverage other people. You can figure out these things. So yeah, you might know somebody who's a wholesaler. You might know somebody who's a web developer and you can kind of trade services and then kind of find more capital that way. But I, I do. Yeah. I think that if you are going to borrow from friends and family, be as transparent as possible, have everything in writing, include, start with the risks. Like there is a risk. You could lose everything. Just get that out of the way. Never overpromise. Like there's an absolutely no way you're going to lose this money. People, especially people who are comfortable with investing and loaning out their money, they want to hear that there is risk involved because it's true. That's why they want to hear that. So they want to hear there's risk involved and kind of just have everything in writing, all your emails in writing, have monthly meetings with them where you're showing them everything in writing, the numbers, things like that. It keeps people at ease when they're investing and loaning out their money.
0: Oh, that was those were, those were great tips. I think it can get messy when you ask yeah. family, especially yeah don't go in with things in writing. You don't go in with any level of expectation of like, this is how I'm going to demonstrate on a regular basis as to like what I'm doing with your money and how it's going. I think that very helpful, very helpful information. You also mentioned one thing that I probably would not have mentioned, but is is fantastic is trade. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we know people who have things or talents that would benefit our business. And that we could also return that favor. You mentioned web developer. Oh, if a web developer is willing to do your website and they're turning like a big birthday, or if they're getting married or like, absolutely, like I can help. And trade is, as I think, often overlooked, but for similar reasons, um, you definitely want things in writing. You want to make sure that everyone's in agreement as to what's being provided by both parties so that everyone's... Mm-hmm energetically, but you've demonstrated again, that we can get creative in how we start a business and we get off the ground. It doesn't have to necessarily be super cash forward.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: What has been, and so would you ever recommend to one of your clients, the crowdfunding route?
1: Yeah, I like that actually. Again, it's back to diversifying. It's spreading, it out amongst a lot of people. You're spreading the risk out. I I liked it a lot. The only thing is, I haven't I haven't done that much research on it. So kind of like you have, like for example, you need ten thousand dollars. You in crowdfunding, you might raise that from like a hundred people. So you're diversifying that, and then you might even give them some exchange. Like I don't know yet what the regulations are as far as giving a percentage of your business. You might need to be like registered with the SEC for that. But you can kind of give some gifts. Like if you invest, I'll give you, I don't know, like a free event or whatever. So that way they look forward to something in the future. And it's also nice too because a lot of people out there want to support. Like I think we're we're reaching this new era after COVID where it's like people want to support small businesses. It's also one of the reasons, like it's a it's a huge factor into the great re- resignation, right? Like millions of people have quit their jobs, start their own businesses. So a lot of people want to see small business owners succeed. It's good for the economy. It's good for society to have a lot of small business owners. So yeah, I think crowdfunding is a nice way to spread it out and ask for, you know, hundreds of people to invest in your business in exchange for some incentives or gifts or things like that.
0: Yeah. And, I, and one of the things I love about it, I'll give you what I love and what I hate. <laughs> one of the things I love about it is that nobody really has the expectation of getting that money back in yeah. like monetary form, right? Yes. So you're getting money from your cousin. Your cousin's probably going to want you to repay that, and probably probably with interest. Maybe not. Maybe they'll be nice and they'll just let you keep the money or keep the interest. But mm-hmm. there's an expectation that you're going to succeed, and I'm going to see that money again. But with crowdfunding, it's not really that. Like maybe they will give you ten bucks. Maybe I'll give you fifty bucks. I've yes. you know, I think another little Bev Pro member uh, started a brick and mortar shop, and I provided. I think it was like two hundred and fifty bucks. I was not going to get any of that back. It was yeah. really like, I am supporting you. You're doing a thing. You're chasing after your dream. Feels good to me, right? And so I appreciate that about crowdfunding is that people aren't necessarily expecting anything, but like maybe a t-shirt or whatever it is. Right. And so there's, uh, but but the thing I hate about it, and (laughs) I don't know that it's hate so much is that I think people should go in recognizing it's a full-time social media barrage to get visibility for your crowdfunding. And I think a lot of times people start it and they're like, well, I'll just send it around to my friends and family. I'll share it on Facebook a bunch. And that almost always leads to like almost nobody participating. It has to be like this continuous thing. You have to like build a whole lot of momentum behind it. You, you basically have to do the whole song and dance is to like, look at me. This is so fun. You're going to benefit from this too. Like Please help me out. And I think that only a small portion of people actually really thrive in those environments. The only time I've seen it not be something that you really have to like convince people to invest in is if it's super new, different, unique, or it's like something that people are inherently excited for. So like once I saw Kickstarter for like a rooftop camping new product, and I was like, oh my God, that would be amazing. I would love to have one of those, right? Because like there are other alternatives out there, but this one was different. It was more improved, it's lighter. It was whatever it was. Whereas with a lot of small hospitality-based businesses, it's just another food truck. It's just another restaurant. It's just another ice cream shop. It's just another, right? And so I think it's a harder sell unless they know you. Now, if they don't know you, then like really just hoping and praying that they find value in helping out a stranger start their little like passion project. But I don't know that crowdsourcing is as Beneficial, I think, for hospitality based businesses as it is for some products where, like, here's a prototype, but we need funding if we're going to make more of these. If you ever actually want to use one of these things, then you need to put your money where your mouth is.
1: Exactly. And, And going back to like the grant writing, I'm pretty sure, right, there are companies and people out there that will write for you. They'll do the ads and writing the content for you for the crowdfunding. And that's what they're kind of trained on is how to make it stand out. So if, if that's something you really wanted to take action on, I would recommend that you can go to like Upwork or Fiverr and then just search for like um, crowdfunding writing. And then you'll find somebody and then check the reviews to make sure they've actually written a lot of stuff. They might have their work actually posted and how much funding they were able to get. That would be a good way if that's what you want to specialize in. But I agree. I think that I think the key or not the, one, of the, one of the keys to crowdfunding is like making a difference, which you could make a difference, right. With mobile bars, because it's it's creating more entrepreneurship, which is going to back to, you know, helping, but yeah, it's um, I guess it doesn't hurt to try and everybody's going to have different avenues. And I think that really there is, you're not going to know which avenue is like the right answer until you actually implement it. So I think you know, if one thing you want to take away from this episode is always take action, just don't really worry about the result right away. You're not going to know the result of it. You can't really tell what's going to happen in the future but just take action and like try out different things. And that's one of the, so like one of, you know, not to kind of brag, but one of the reasons why we've been successful is just trying different things and trying different areas until like one thing works very well. And then you, you run with them.
0: Yeah. So the, the business owners that you've helped get in mm-hmm. front what would you say is maybe the most reliable source of money that has consistently delivered for your small mm-hmm. business? And Which one would you say is the easiest to source?
1: Yeah, so this is kind of depends. So in theory, technically, the fastest, easiest way is to leverage something called the bank on yourself strategy, or also known as infinite banking. So that's the fastest way to come across your capital. It's the easiest, it's the the most predictable way. However, the problem with this is that there has, it's something that you implement for the future. It's something you start now for the future. So that way, when you do need it, you can access it. But as far as like today, somebody comes to me today, they don't have any 401k or checking account or IRA or any equity. It's going to be very difficult other than going back to the organic things we talked about and possibly the credit card route, which is risky, but it's better than nothing. But as far as like, let's say they've already implemented it, for sure, it's going to be bank on yourself or infinite banking And the Book Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash talks way more in depth about that. We won't have enough episode, we won't have enough time on this episode to talk more about the details of that. But if you reach out to us, I'll send you a free copy of the book and it talks about how to leverage predictable money in the future. And yeah, you could always reach out to us too. So I can explain more about how like, the details of that work.
0: Yeah, amazing. Well, all of your information is going to be in the show notes here. So if someone's Wanting to get a hold and be like, be my banker, or help me figure out how to launch my business, find the capital, and, and to do so, all of that information will be down there. This has been so educational and so fun for me. What would be the takeaway that you would like people to to take away regarding funding funding their business?
1: Yeah, so really in in business, like there are two main segments, like from a small business perspective, you have your subject matter expertise, the things you know, and the, and the reasons why you're getting into business, like your, your primary product or service. And then you also have another segment, which is often overlooked. And that is the money part, the money subject part of your business. And this is money coming in, money going out. And I think that, you know, that's something you don't want to neg- neglect. Like sometimes the money part of your business is going to be the most important part. It's going to be even more important than your product and service. Like if you look at, for example, like who has a better burger, you know, McDonald's or some place that you, you know, has like, the, you know, the best burgers in town, probably the best burgers in town is going to have a better burger, but McDonald's sells way more because of their business mindset. You know what I mean? So like the business part of it and the money part of it could be far more important than the subject matter. So kind of focus on that. Think like a bank, you know, check out our podcast, thinking like a bank to learn more about how you could do that. But yeah, act, don't neglect the, the money thinking part of your business.
0: Oh, that is such great advice because oftentimes, especially in our industry, people get into it because it looks fun or like it's a sexy business. Like Mm. cocktails look delicious. Our mobile bars are beautiful. And so people get into it because they're creative, they're visionary, and they want to do beautiful things. And the business side of it, the money side of it is always like the unsexy part. But as you mentioned, it is 50% (laughs) Of the success here, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> beautiful and financially sound.
1: Yes, That's- exactly.
0: Advice. This has been lovely. I've enjoyed every second of it. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure being here.
0: And that wraps up today's episode. I hope it was valuable. I would love to hear from you what you thought. You can drop me a line at hello at mobilebevpros.com or find me on Instagram at mobilebevpros. If you're looking for more valuable mobile bar related content, we have a website full of it. You can find us at www.mobilebevpros.com. And I'd love to see you in our Facebook community. Also by the name of, you guessed it, Mobile Bev Pros. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, cheers.